As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. The world is full of magic and wonder, if you know where to look. And I'm obsessed with looking for it. I'm Simon Sinek, and I host a podcast called A Bit of Optimism. Each week, I have a short conversation with someone who inspires me or teaches me something about life, leadership, and other curious things. I hope you'll join me on the journey. Listen to a bit of optimism on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Julian Edelman from Games with Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time with the players and coaches who lived in them. Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Or what about the, the after parties? We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to More To It, the show that takes a deep dive into the biggest stories in sports, entertainment and culture we start with headline news and journey into deeper conversations always finding those life lessons that are presented in every single story i'm marcel swat yeah that dude and this week want to chop up some wood starting with happy new year oh proud of myself i finally got it right (laughs) have y'all been doing what i've been doing which is counting how many people and i'm guilty as well who walk around every single damn year saying, Happy New Year's. <laughs> Either they make it plural or possessive. I don't know what the hell they do. Happy New Year's. Apostrophe S, uh, just the S. Man, my wife clowned me this year. I can't do it no more. 2023, Happy New Year. And I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> it feels weird saying it. <laughs> it feels weird. That is ghetto. Happy New Year's. I never thought about that. I am 48 years young (laughs) and never in my life thought to take the ass off. Damn. But now, since she brought it to my attention and clowned me, all I'm doing is looking at everybody out there and just saying, Happy New Year and waiting. I'm just listening. Damn it. Here's another one. Happy New Year's. (laughs) Like, what the hell? So um, we need a national state of order. We need everybody to now. Buy in to Happy New Year and spread the word because next year I don't want to hear that shit. <laughs> Happy New Year. But I'm not a big fan of New Year. Damn, I was about to, can I say New Year's? I see, I'm already caught. <laughs> I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say about New Year because it's not my favorite holiday. Actually, it's pretty low, pretty low, kind of like President's Day or something. Like, yeah, I take the vacay, but I ain't tripping on the meaning. Like, I've never had great New Year times. New Year's times. <laughs> I messed this up on. I can't say Disneyland either. See, I say Disneyland. Like, I can't say Disneyland. I always say Nordstrom's. I heard it's Nordstrom. So bear with me, y'all. But seriously, <clears throat> I don't like New Year's like that. Like, prepaid menus at the spot at the club. Oh, we're going to go buy for two fifty. We're going to get champagne, one glass, <laughs> and, and some shrimp already cold and some greens like nah and then bring in the new year with people you don't know so uh, that whole 
phase of when I was in my 20s to my young 30s, I was just like, dog, I'm good. Like, every time I go to the spot, I'm like, who are these fools? I don't know these people. Three, two, one. They ain't even got a TV up. They ain't got a big screen, no projector. So I'm not even watching Dick Clark then or Ryan Seacrest now, whatever the hell. Nothing. So I'm like, why am I here? So I didn't like that, but I would go. But every year I fool myself into thinking it was going to be better, and it wasn't. Never like New Year as a holiday, even though it's cool to just sit there with the family now and just say, hi. Everybody feels renewed, refreshed. I like it now because I look at everyone else and we got those little blower things. Like, you know, we got our own <laughs> New Year's Eve rocking show at the crib and the kids are pumped. Wife is pumped. Uh, but I never really liked it. My favorite New Year. And I don't even know if this was the best one. It's just the only one I can remember. I hung out with my girlfriend at the time and T.O., <laughs> random right uh but we kicked it and all i remember about that is we stayed at a hotel in la i don't think t.o and them did uh but i did my girlfriend my family and that was cool a little staycation because then you could just tear up the town they even got to worry about going home tear up the room ain't tripping but the only thing about it was <laughs> i remember we was at the club and this girl walked up to t.o and this is so good. God, y'all need to see me to do this. T.O. was sitting there on the wall. And this girl walked up to him. You know, she just knew she was going to get her dance. Like, fine enough to work. He ain't going to diss me. And it's New Year's. So come on. So she already joking coming to him. T.O. wasn't looking at her. And then she got square up on him like she was about to try and guard him. Like, you know, she was in cover one. And T.O. still wasn't looking at her. Now it got a little awkward because everybody knows, like, dog, she right in front of you. And I'm, like, looking, too, because I'm Mr. Nice Guy. Even if if, if I'm going to tell you no or if I'm going to diss you or whatever, I'm still going to be nice about it. And finally, he just turned his head from looking at the quarterback to looking at the DB in front of him, her. <laughs> he looked at her. She was like, you want to dance? And, I mean, I swear to DJ, music stopped. It was silent. You want to dance? It echoed. You want to dance? Dance, dance. <laughs> I looked at him. He looked at her from her head, her ponytail, to her eyes, to her nose, to her chin, to her toes. He looked her up and down, then turned his head back to the quarterback to that angle and gave her the throat slash. That was it. <laughs> That was one of, I mean, it was mean, it was rude, it was crude, but it was funny. <laughs> that, cause you know, one, girls always just think they could touch a dude and he gonna have to like it. You wanna dance with me cause you want what I got. And it was just funny to just see that leverage he played on her. Like, he wasn't even stunting her. And then he looked, uh, get out of here. That was hilarious. But I really don't have a favorite New Year's. I hate when people got resolutions. I, I can't stand y'all on social media talking about what y'all about to do on January 1st that you didn't do on December 31st. Like, what the hell's wrong with y'all? <laughs> Man, y'all need to start writing these resolutions. And if you do have resolutions, you know, goals, new goals based on the calendar, which is weird, but we'll get back to that. But if you have new goals, go ahead. Here's the problem. If your goal has a start date that is not now, 
you might as well write the end date too because <laughs> it ain't going to last. <laughs> like if you say, all right, New Year's or next week, whenever it was you wrote these resolutions, all right, you know what? I'm about to start and I'm going to eat right. Okay, we're going to check in on you about January 17th because <laughs> you're going to be eating Doritos, chili cheese Fritos. Basically, resolutions don't work as well as they should if you actually write a start date that isn't right now. Because there's something about the human body, mind, spirit connection that you have to activate in the moment for it to feel authentic, for it to feel real, for it to believe you for real. Because if not, you're lying to yourself. You got to do something that's good for you, but you're going to wait to do it. You're not your own best friend. (laughs) Your body ain't stupid. Your mind's not dumb. Your spirit can't feel that. So all y'all out there writing resolutions next year, chalk them up. Don't even do it. Just start. And don't start on January 1st, 2024. Start when you're ready. Start when you're going to do it. Start when you bout that life. And make sure y'all say New Year, not New Year's. (laughs) Or my wife's going to be on y'all head. All right, y'all. Speaking of on y'all head, somebody's, I swore to myself I wasn't going to say his name, but the world is on his head. And I feel for this dude. I don't want to make him any more famous or infamous for what he did. But Noah Ruggles. All right, that's it. That's the only time I'm going to say. Damn, that Ohio State kicker. Ah, ah. So I'm sitting here watching the game like all you guys are too, right? So I'm watching the game. And I'm also watching Ryan Seacrest. And I'm watching, like, who was that? Uh, Anderson Cooper. Like, I'm watching too much. I'm doing too much. I told you I don't have fun on New Year's. So anyway, I'm watching all three of these. And I'm like, yo, is the game going to go down to the ball drop? (laughs) I'm like, what? Is he about to snap this ball on the ball drop? And he did. They snapped that ball. That whole game, I was sitting there rooting. I was like, yo, Ohio State, they've been balling. You got to give it to them. Even though I wanted Georgia to win, they were the favorites to win. Thought they were the better team coming in. They got outplayed to me. I was like, uh-uh. I want Ohio State to win because they had just done too much to lose. And then they froze the kicker, and I was like, all right, here's the thing. He's young. And when you're young, you know, <laughs> it's harder for you to uh, recalibrate. Let's just say that. With maturity comes that muscle that helps you recalibrate and that pressure. And we know what pressure is. We're going to talk through that. But I knew little man was going to be in trouble. I was like, man, they whole season is on the line. Like literally cats are looking at him and not saying nothing, which is always weird. But they like, yo, that's the routine. So let's just keep that up. But sometimes you got to break routine. Be like, hey, dog. Relax. <laughs> a, a, a simple relax is better than the silent treatment, right? So anyway, <sighs> these cats are in Atlanta knowing they could go to L.A. and play for the national championship. All this dude got to do is do something he's done a thousand times, but not in this circumstance. Not with this pressure. So I knew his thoughts were out of balance, and that's what pressure starts with. You just all of a sudden just start tilting. Tick, 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 tick. And now you're thinking different. And you're thinking excessively about the consequences. You start exaggerating things. You exaggerate your responsibility. You exaggerate your contribution. You exaggerate what the consequence is going to be. You just go all the way wrong, all the way south, right? And of course, 
The ball's about to drop. They snap the ball. He kicks it. And it wasn't even suspenseful. That's what was sad about the kick. Because then you had to immediately feel bad for the dude, even though you felt even worse for his teammates. Because you're like, dog, they did all that work. All they need for you to do is do something you always do in practice. Or you do when you were in lower situations and circumstances and less pressure in high school. Or even other games, you've done that. But damn, make the damn kick. Or at least give us a fighting chance in that kick. Let us get our hopes up. Let us see it hit the crossbar or something. Nah, B. Mm-mm. Dude didn't even hit nut. He hit the he hit the popcorn man in, in section one, two, three, like on the left. I don't know. I don't know what the hell got into his head, but it made him shank the shoot out of that thing, right? So I'm like, oh, I feel bad for dude. But then it gets worse. I think it gets worse. Uh, you would think it gets no worse than you missing the kick that could help you guys win a championship game or at least get to the game, right? Probably if he had did the same thing in the national championship game, that would felt worse, right? All right, so there are even greater stakes than that. Imagine doing that at SoFi Woo-hoo! against TCU. Woo! But this might be worse than even that. <laughs> Ohio State player... You know he had to go his social sooner or later. I mean, everybody, all, I don't read my comments. Huh? I'm good. I'm good. Hi, right, boy. <laughs> it get quiet at about 2.30 in the morning. He left with few choices. That phone sitting there, he got 9,000 texts. Oh, you good? Oh, it's all right. Oh, man, it happens to the best of us. He ain't going to read all those or certainly respond. You know what he going to do? Instead of just going back and forth with the people he love and know and support him, the people in the text, you know what he going to do? He don't go to y'all random anonymous people on social <laughs> and read it. And here was one, one tweet that wasn't random, that wasn't from somebody anonymous. LeBron. LeBron tweeted, WTF was that? What the fuck? What the funk? What the freak? What the foolery? I don't know what he meant by the F, but what the fool? <laughs> what was that? Now, that got to hurt. Now, I'm going to defend LeBron for sending the tweet, even though that got to hurt. Like, he is still in college. You know, everybody say he's a kid. I don't know if he's a kid or not, but he's in college. So he's not at the highest level. But y'all got to remember, LeBron didn't go to college. So LeBron at that age and younger was a professional, was a grown-ass man in terms of criticism, right? So at that age, LeBron missed a shot. He catching hell. He catching Dante's Inferno, right? And that's the problem. You know, LeBron looking at life through his lens. Like, hey, B, at that age, man, you better figure out how to deal with that pressure and get right. And young man, Mr. I ain't going to say your name, NR. <laughs> Woo! Had to go to social and, and see the retweets. And, you know, LeBron, LeBron could send out a tweet. I'm about to sneeze and he's going to get a million likes, two million retweets. It's like, <laughs> woo! And I was like, damn, you imagine being that young. Imagine he got his girlfriend. He tried to go back to the campus. Everybody on your head. And, and, and the only thing worse than people clowning you to your face and actually getting you is them not saying nothing. You ever been there? That apathy the apathetic state when people don't say anything 
and you know they know, and you know you know. They say that's what shame is, and that's the most everlasting emotion and the most damning shame. Because you always think, damn, they thinking that. That's what Deshaun Watson, like cats like that right now. You know, if you Deshaun Watson walking around, ain't a damn time you ever go somewhere. You sitting down, you with a young lady or young lady comes and serves you or you just in a a library. You just trying to get away. (laughs) And it's a lady there and she doesn't say anything to you, but she looks at you and then she looks away. She may just be like, I don't know this dude. And that's it. Don't know Jack. But you know what you're thinking? Oh, man, she think I'm one of the sexual predators. She think I really did all that. <laughs> man, Ooh, that's shame. And that boy going to feel shame going to school because cats going to either get at him or even worse, not even speak to him. Mm. Let's talk about somebody who didn't get spoke to, at least in the way they wanted to. Ooh. Let's talk about my man, Derek Carr. Derek Carr, what is going on? Where you at, first of all? Derek Carr is not where he's supposed to be. <laughs> Derek Carr. Derek Carr took his ball and went home. And y'all don't forget that his home is next to John Gruden's home unless they moved since then. But he that, yeah, he that teacher's pet. He, he <laughs> when they moved from Oakland, Gruden already had his spot. And uh Derek Carr gonna say, like, coach, hey, uh, how's Vegas? And oh, it's cool, it's cool, you know. Probably some racist stuff. Kind of mess from Gruden. You know, Gruden got in trouble for all that. Them old ass emails. Ooh, Gruden like, no, Vegas cool. Vegas is Vegas. What you mean? What you talking about? You know what it is. Oh, okay. So where do you live? Oh, I'm over here on the north side. What's up? Oh, I'm just looking for properties and maybe I'll look over there. Gruden probably in his head like, fool, you ain't read my emails yet. <laughs> Moving by me. I'm gangster. Anyway, he moved next door to his coach. I knew it was going to end bad when he did that. I don't care how good he is, and he is good. Don't y'all get it twisted. I don't care how religified and how corny sometimes he could be. It doesn't look like he lives up to the moment all the time. Derek Carr is a good player. Don't do that. But that was a bad move. Move next to your coach? the hell are you doing? (laughs) You move next to coach. And then when you move next to coach, you know how much he wanted to dog curse you. In bad games and situations. And then your butt live right next door. Hi, neighbor. Hey, friend. Hey, coach. <laughs> it's too much. Should have moved. Anyway, now he back at that crib. I don't know if Gruden there, but he he back at that crib not playing. And they almost won. Almost beat the 49ers. Red hot 49ers with the backup Stidham, right? But Derek Carr, let's talk about this and how Devontae Adams was feeling and now is feeling because Devontae, like, look, I'm a ball with any quarterback, but damn, had to be a little nerve wracking at first when Derek Carr ain't there. And you're like, ah, I didn't come here solely for Derek Carr. And that was a stupid narrative. People kept saying, oh man, how does he feel? Because he came there because of Derek Carr. Eh. <laughs> ain't nobody going nowhere just because of one person. Uh-uh, it ain't that kind of party, not in the NFL. First of all, that dough speaks more. Give me that dough, and then we'll talk, right? Money talks. After the dough, even though he could have got more in Green Bay, he's looking at the situation. And Derek Carr is a huge part of it, but not the only part, not the sole reason. It's Vegas. You get closer to the West Coast. You won Southwest flight from the homies. Like, it's a lot to it more than just Derek Carr. He left Aaron Rodgers, y'all. He went already down one step, two steps, in terms of quarterback play. 
And then when Derek Carr is there, then Derek Carr gets benched and says, well, you know, him and the GM and the organization come to the realization, it's better you ain't here, bro. And that's weird. Like, that happened with Deshaun. That's happened with Derek. Like, when you ain't playing, they just like, yo, chill and we'll pay you? Mm, that's a new NFL. I didn't know that NFL. NFL, I know, boy, you have some grievances out. They, <laughs> what? They ain't giving you jet. So, Derek Carr is now sitting there. What's going to happen in the offseason, right? We know why they told his butt to go home. No trade clause, obviously, but they on the hook for $40 million if he gets hurt. Wow. If he gets hurt. So they bench him to protect that money, right? They got the February 15th to get this right. So obviously he's already in trade conversations. Crazy. Crazy. I ain't never been benched. I've been sorry in the league. Uh, I was a backup in the league, but I've never been benched. So when it was my time to shine, I shined. Or I ain't give it up until the offseason. They made cap casualty moves or they released me. But they ain't never (laughs) – ain't nobody ever walked up to me on no Wednesday talking about, hey, Wiley, come here. (laughs) It's a wrap. I don't know why, but that would hurt more than anything. Godly. Wouldn't hurt that much, though. They getting paid to go home. But still, it is demoralizing to know that you just got – Benched. Ooh, and in a prime position like quarterback, everybody know you're missing. Like, I play DN. There's two DNs. We mess around. You think a tackle's a DN. There's three of us, four of us. You don't know who on the D-line. But quarterback is only one of y'all. We know your name. Them kids run up to you. Oh, that got to hurt. But, hey, man, it's going to be wild like that. It's going to be wild sometimes. When you lose, oh, it feels different. It feels a lot different. And that's what LeBron James is talking about right now. Yeah, y'all see that story, LeBron James? Oh, man, what's LeBron talking about now? He got a, like a conditional love for basketball. Interesting. Let's break this down because I just defended him. Now I'm about to prosecute him, I think. <clears throat> LeBron saying, uh, playing without winning, not in his DNA anymore. Mm-hmm. On the surface, you like that. I like hearing that too, damn it. Moves you even closer to Jordan if you ain't already passed him to somebody. To me, he is, but we'll talk about that later. But imagine somebody comes out playing without winning, not in DNA anymore. Mm. All you can say is, that's a winner. Hell yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Until you stop and think. (laughs) They say no matter how smart you are, stop and think. Now I had to stop and think about what he said. I said, wait a minute. What the hell he just say? <clears throat> Did he just say that he is either winning or he's gone? Now, it could be a leverage play for the Lakers. I get it. You know, talking to the front office. Hey, Jeannie, yo, all this just playing to play ain't, ain't for me. I get some of that. But it also sounds like. He's not playing for the process or the love of the process anymore, which happens. You know, the older you get, you keep having to repeat those same steps. Square one, square one, square one, square one. Every year, every year, every year, every year. Yeah, it gets taxing, especially when you don't have the end game you want. Right. But you're not playing for the love of the process. You're also not playing for how well you're playing because LeBron is averaging what? 27 and six or something. Brought out there eating with his old ass, right? But you're not playing for that. So you're not playing for the process, just the pure love of the game. Remember, you used to go in the backyard and just jack them up. 
You remember that? You used to go to the courts down the street and just jack them up. Cats get older and a lot of other things come into play and all of a sudden you ain't feeling that. All right. So you're not playing for the process, not the love of it. Not how well you're individually playing. You're playing for the team results. Ugh. Doesn't that seem distant from the purity of why you should play or why you even started playing? Like, I'm playing so that we win. And if we don't win, then everything else is a wash. That sounds amazing until you got to go step by pragmatic step and realize, oh, you don't love the process as much as the result. You don't love how you're doing as much as the team result. Only what happens in the team result. So I propose, would you love it if the team won a championship, but you were hurt? No, of course, because you didn't contribute. All right, what about if you played bad and y'all won? Would you love that? Eh, not in love with it, but you'll love it, right? Ah, what happens if LeBron James actually said what he really meant? (laughs) This is how I took it. I'm only going to study for the group project if we get an A. Like, whoo, you imagine being in school. Imagine when this all started, you would say something like that. I'm only going to study, do my part in the group project if we get in that. Because, you know, getting them D's and F's, that ain't in my DNA. Well, somebody in the group should say, well, how about you play your best, play your damnness, do your part, try to make others better, which you do all the time, LeBron. And don't make comments like you don't do that all the time, LeBron. And let's play. So unless that was just a leverage play, leverage conversation for Genie, it didn't really make sense, even though it lands well. And in this world today, a lot of things are landing well, even though they don't make no damn sense. Let's talk about somebody who didn't land well once or twice. Boy, these transitions I got, boy, they're gangster. I'll be pulling them. <laughs> let's talk about Tua. Man, Tua got something to think about. Once his... Once his brain and his concussion, multiple concussions, once all of that stabilizes, like, this is sad, bro. Let's talk for real. Multiple concussion syndrome sounds like to me. We all know that they say uh, after the first one, they're easier and easier to get in terms of concussions, multiple concussions, and more damning, more damaging. Woo! time to start thinking long term right we you're not gonna be the first to uh, that we've lost to the game because you had to think about the person your life before the player before the sport i get it i mean steve young you remember uh it's been guys before who had to just tap out because they had to think of greater health and for a guy who only played no, i shouldn't say only because the average is three I played 10 years, but I was 31 when I retired. So it felt like a only. Uh, Man, to lead that game, obviously, is a death. I mean, football, once it's gone, it's gone. You're not getting it back. But imagine what you're compromising or potentially sacrificing in the pursuit to continue to play. One, there's no certainty with this issue, especially that you can fix it, that you can protect yourself, that you can heal from it. This isn't an ACL, y'all. This isn't even an Achilles. This is your brain. And if you're two in this position, you really have to weigh this heavily. 
it is weighing on your heart. I know it. But you have to weigh this one out properly and heavily. Why? Because if you're wrong, you're done. And we're not talking about as a quarterback of the Dolphins. We're talking about potentially done in terms of your state and quality of life. Woo! Y'all seen Jim McMahon on some interviews? And, man, I don't have this fear. I didn't play with this fear. I don't preach this fear. But it also didn't knock on my door. Now it's knocking on Tua's door. And the thing is, there's too much life to live. No matter what you're thinking, the only thing you will lose, and I'm telling you from a full perspective, the only thing you're going to lose if you step away from the game right now and tap away are these things. You're going to lose what you could have accomplished in the game, like in terms of records and, and Super Bowls and wins. Yeah, 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 yeah. You could, you're going to lose that. Okay, you can live past that, right? Like, I, I didn't win a Super Bowl, and I'm all right. <laughs> like a lot of people have not won Super Bowls, and just fine. Um, what you lose is the reality, and you have to live in your imagination of what could have been. And that is torture, because there is nothing worse, and nothing keeps you up at night more so than anxiety or wrestling with potential. Like, instead of just knowing, like just guessing, 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 guessing. Every night, every night, every night. What could have been? Could have been, could have been. Yeah, that's a lot. But you got to think about it. What you're also going to lose, and this is the thing that you won't get back. The other other two, you can have some mental therapy and do some mental exercises. You can get to a healthy place and deal with the first two. This one, everyone suffers from that played the game of football at the highest level. Or probably any level, let's be real. Ah. <sighs> The roar of the crowd, the adoration of the fans, that moment when you throw that touchdown pass to her and it goes, <sighs> that crackle. Woo. There's not a drug that exists that can hit you like that. And I've only done weed. <laughs> so I don't know if there is, but I know alcohol ain't doing it. <laughs> that drink ain't doing it. Walking around and getting a, a big check is not going to do it. Getting a bonus at your new job is not going to do it. Uh, pats on the back won't do it from the homies. Uh, your wife saying you look great and your lime green shirt won't do it. Nothing does it like that. When, when, when it's dead ass quiet and you do one thing and 80,000 people erupt, <sighs> That's power, and that's powerful. Tua has a lot the way out. I'm not going to ride the fence on this one. Um, I'm going to wait to say what I would do, though. Um, I got to get more information on, on this diagnosis and the prognosis, so I don't want to speak out of turn. But trust me, if, it's, if it looks dark, bleak, <laughs> loved you, football. But as the NFL stands for, not for long. I'm out. Okay, let's speak, let's speak on somebody who, at least a lot of people speaking um, in Denver, which they wish he was out. They wish Russell Wilson was out. He looked a little better yesterday. Nah, this week, whatever. 
this is a sad, sad, sad story. Because Russell went there with all that glory and all that fame and all of that joy and oh man, all that hype and all that hope. And now it's just dusty out there. It's just dark. It's just like you just expect bad. It ain't going good at all. Woo. And then, you know, already got the scapegoat. Coach is gone. Bye, Hackett. Take that Hackett and go. But what they're going to do with Russ? Obviously, they're going to keep him next year. And they're going to keep him the year after that. Dead cap money. Too much. Got to keep him. But let's talk about what Russell really suffers from. And I, this is conjecture because I am sitting here thousands of miles away from him, but I'm going to tell you what I think. There is a huge difference, and I want to highlight it, huge difference between the grind and sipping that wine. (laughs) And yes, they rhymed. (laughs) Let me say it again, the grind and the wine, man. Mm. Football is so damn gangster that if you don't bang back, you won't survive. Like, if you don't grind, I mean, put yourself through hell. And even then, that's not football. That's working out. That's lifting weights. That's running conditioning. Oh, is that going against another 330-pound man 60 times a day? Oh, no. So no one ever practices football in the offseason. No one. You think you are. You do those little hand drills on the homie on Instagram. That ain't it, bro. First day of camp. Especially old school camp, but even camp now, when you got to lean on a man who's bigger than you and this building 60 times, yeah, we're going to start talking different. And that's football. Well, you don't prepare yourself for that moment, even if you're fully prepared by doing all the running and lifting and eating right and proper rest. That's still not against that element. So camp is an awakening for everybody. But beyond that, imagine you didn't grind all the way when you were supposed to grind just to get you prepared, hopefully, for the training camp for the season. And that's what I'm going to accuse Russell Wilson of. It could be mental. It it could be physical. It could be just in repetition. That grind looks different. And I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why. Because as much as he has in resources, and he has tremendous resources, you know, Russell could just land in the city, and he's done this, and just rent out the field, the high school field, and go play. You know, if they closed it up, they'll open it up for us. All that stuff. What you lose is consistency when you're that popular, famous, married to Sierra. You lose it because Coach used to always say, don't come to practice on a red carpet. So. Imagine you out the city, you're somewhere, you, knowing them, they out the country, and it's time to work out. You try to find a facility, you do. It doesn't have exactly what you need, because what facility would have exactly what you need except the exact facility you need to work out at, right? The one has everything. Everything else is abbreviated to some degree because it's not yours. You can try and bring everything with you, but you're going to bring it every time. You ain't got to lie, Craig. You ain't got to lie. So now we're here. You're on the red carpet. Next day, you got to work out in some random city or country with their equipment. But get it in, right? All right, that's cool. That's cool. And I'm going to get it in. But then where's your mindset? Get 
your mind right. I thought I told you, Master P style. Where's your mind when you come from the red carpet the night before, wake up the next day, different spot, you know, room service <laughs> or, or the chef. And then you're here and you're on this field trying to grind. None of your teammates really there. You just hire some Juco dudes that you just met. Time is a little off. But you felt like you checked that box because you went in there 100%. But the circumstances weren't 100%. So even if you give 100% in effort, you're going to lose some of that. It's going to get undermined by the circumstances, right? So those surroundings are not conducive for the best Russell Wilson. And I'm not sitting here saying, hey, dog, go to OTAs. I'm not sitting here saying, hey, dog, don't travel. I'm just saying there's a residual effect that comes from living that high life and then trying to go out there and ball. That's why those great ones, those sick ones, those next level ones, and I mean, there's another level past Russell Wilson, even though he's really close to being at that top level, right? Future Hall of Famer, duh. But those insane in the membrane ones, you know, like a Tom Brady before this year, <laughs> they shut it down, dog. They shut it down. They find their spot and they stick to their thing. And I just think that it looks a little random from Russ. And it certainly looks random on that field. So I wish him well, man, because them people in Denver ain't playing that. Especially it's legal out there. And it's mile high. Them cats ain't getting enough oxygen to their head. And they puffing. They going to be mad at you, bro. You better ball next year because I think your mulligan is up. Speaking of, time is up. Salute to J.J. Watt retiring after this season. I got love for J.J. Watt. But I got stories, too. Oh, my God. Woo. <clears throat> he's retiring. And he's 33 years young. We know he can still play. Still getting them sacks. He double digit yet. Nine and a half last time I checked. Balling. But never won a championship. So what? Ain't on him. He a damn DN. D tackle. Can't put that on him. So he's not going to chase that anymore. He got his family, little little kid, wife. So I get it. He's 38th on the sack leaderboard. Damn. That's like 3,000 spots higher than me. <laughs> J.J. Watt had more sacks in two years than I did in my whole career almost. Yeah, J.J. Watt was a beast. But let's talk about it. Three NFL Defensive Player of the Year awards. Only him and Aaron Donald and Lawrence Taylor did that. Beast. Obviously, the Hurricane Harvey. But let's talk about what he almost did but couldn't do. J.J. Watt, when he was out there, you remember, yeah, four, I think, maybe more, four 20-plus sack seasons, is that it? Or four 15, or over 15, and two over 20. Yeah, that's it. Peace. God, dog. And I remember, <laughs> in, in the midst of the J.J. Watt batting down every ball, J.J. Watt scoring touchdowns more than receivers were, J.J. Watt getting 20-plus sacks, I remember getting a phone call from a legend. And this legend said, because I was glowing about J.J. Watt, and I was probably, as I do at times, it was speaking out of turn, <laughs> a little hyperbolic. I was, I'm so emotional. I get so pumped. I'm like, yeah, he could do it. I believe in the human potential so much. Yeah, he can do it. Do what? Break Bruce Smith's sack record? <laughs> okay. So Bruce Smith has 200 sacks in his career. 
God dang, dog. Okay, so let's do some math, y'all. Quick math, too. You know how many sacks that is if you play 10 years? Yep, 20. <laughs> Every year. <laughs> play 10 years, get 20 sacks, you tie his record. You don't even beat it. Damn. That's crazy. But if you want to push it, play 20 years, that's 10 sacks every year, and you tie them again. <laughs> Golly. Woo, Bruce Smith was acting a donkey out there. I mean a donkey Kong out there. That's insane. 20 years of 10 sacks each year? Or 10 years of 20 sacks? Okay, let me just tell y'all, you know, for the record, I never had 20 sacks. And for the record, I had only two seasons with 10 or more sacks. I would have to do that for 20 seasons. <laughs> or oh, if it was 10 clean. But if you get 12, 13, then all right, you can come back with an eight or nine. Or it could be fewer years. Point being, Bruce Smith, the guy who called me, that was the legend that called me. That record's never getting broken. And Bruce said it. With the with the kindness of intentions, like almost rooting, like I dare somebody to break this record. But he was like, bruh, do you know how long you got to play, how strong you got to play and how healthy you have to be to break that record? And that's where J.J. Watt fell short. Couldn't stay healthy. Look, I told y'all I'm injury prone. If I wasn't injury prone, look at me, if if, if, if was a fifth, <laughs> be lit, man, I would have killed this game. But I stayed hurt. I stayed hurt when it mattered. I stayed hurt my prime years. J.J. Watt stayed hurt his prime years, right? Then he had his second win a couple years ago, and now all of a sudden he's good. And a little too good too late because he's not going to play that long. He's not going to play long enough to climb up that leaderboard to even sniff Bruce Smith. So I just remember Bruce calling me and telling me that, and I was like, damn, I know you're not hating, but come on, man. It's a way. He was like, man, it is a war of attrition. And I was like, you're right. And I was just quietly always watching J.J. Watt, seeing how long he could keep that level of play. He had an amazing career. But the war of attrition, father time, once again, undefeated. They win again. Let's talk about somebody who's going through it right now as well. In Philly. Mm. Lost a couple games. Lane Johnson, the tackle, out. Uh-oh. Lane Johnson, out. You know he's had 28 straight games without giving up a sack? Woo! <laughs> More than a season. Damn. You know they know that, too, on film. When you watch a film, you're like, man, ain't nobody getting no sack on him. Coach, what you doing? Don't call that blitz. <laughs> Don't call that play. It ain't going to work. Go on the other side. Damn, Lane Johnson out there, beast, but he tore his ab again. Abdominal tear. Now, y'all know me. Those who do know I had an abdominal wall tear. And boy, all that wild style and that dude and ooh, Wiley, that's when it went. Not my back surgery, not my broken foot, nothing but that abdominal wall. Lane Johnson, I hope you get this message. Bruh. I know y'all on a Super Bowl mission and Super Bowl run. You mess around with that ab wall, it's a whole different animal. Now, I preface it by saying you are an offensive lineman, even though you got to be explosive, et cetera. 
it's not the same, right? You ain't trying to run no 40 out there like I had to every time to try and get off that ball. You're not trying to do that. You're not going zero to 60 real quick. But you are using your core to the fullest. And that kick step, I know. I, when it, boy, ain't nothing, ain't nothing sweeter than watching the old linemen in warm-ups do that kick step. Because all of them ain't giving up a sack. Not a, not a single old lineman in warm-ups ever in their mind is going to give up a sack. Yeah, 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 yeah. They kick back. It looked perfect. And then you get lined up against them. <laughs> Shit, go to south. It looked bad super fast as soon as you get across from them. But um, Lane Johnson, let me tell you this, bro. I had my surgery. They put a mesh wall in my abdominal wall. And they said, the doctor said, I think his name is Dr. Charles Smith. Don't quote me, but I think Dr. Charles Smith. He said, bruh, he said, did you play on this the entire year? And I was like, yeah, I guess so. He was like, oh, because that was the worst abdominal wall I've ever seen. And I remember him saying that. But at this time, I'm Superman in my head. I came back from back surgery, broken foot. Didn't practice, pro bowler. Man, you can't tell me nothing. And I remember just saying, all right, a little tougher rehab than normal. I got to do it. And when I was playing, I just couldn't find that sixth gear. Like I would shift, shift, shift. No sixth gear. Couldn't find it anymore. So what the hell is this? And I used to be fast in my head, at least. <laughs> no, I used to be fast. But I couldn't, I, I lost it. I, I mean, I lost it, not misplaced it because rehab would let you find it again. I lost it. Didn't know where it went. It was gone and I never found it again. And I just went down the hill from there. I tore it against Tom Brady, against the Patriots. Yeah, that was a Patriot game. I think it was my uh, second year in San Diego uh, against Brady. Got a sack or something. I had like, this is my best year. I had like in three games, I had four sacks or something like that. Like I always started slow, but not this year. I'm ready to go. That's why I'm saying football so fickle, man. I was strong, big, fast, in shape, ready. Already got three, four sacks ready to eat. And never came back from it. So all I'm saying to Lane Johnson is, man, be smart about it. I get the pressure of this moment. Super Bowl mission, but also respect for you, potential Hall of Famer, who we also got to say, man, don't burn it all up right now. Might be one of those guys like me, man. Never find it again. Mm. Speaking of somebody who can't find it, can't find that opportunity that he wants, T.O. to the Cowboys. Now, this is a story that took a twist. (laughs) First, I was like, damn, T.O. going back to play like that? I, I still see T.O., that's the homie. He in hella shape. Certainly, T.O. could be a receiver on a good squad, let alone a championship contending squad. I said it. Um, not your one. I wouldn't put him at your one or even two, probably. But three, four, five. I've seen some sorry fifth receivers. Hell yeah. He could go out there and do it. But the reports were that his agent, and him been in constant contact with Jerry Jones. And Jerry Jones, you know I got love for Jerry Jones. That's a funny dude. Gave me that $5,000 pin. I ain't going to never forget you, Jerry. 
and you gave me $5.2 million and I ain't do jack shit. <laughs> so I really ain't going to forget you, Jerry. But he, <laughs> Jerry could have let this land any way he wanted it, right? He could have threw the softball, the nerf ball, but he went out there and got that hard ball and said, um, I, I mean, I haven't talked to him or his agent. I don't know where this is coming from. And, and it's that where this is coming from part that lets you know, hot sauce on my burrito, baby. <laughs> like, why he do T.O. like that? Like, I, I think if, I don't know if they're on great turns, good turns, bad turns. He's just tired of hearing BS about his name. It's playoff time or he's just in a bad mood. But he could have laid T.O. down and this topic better than that. He could have just been like, look, I, I mean, people say stuff all the time. I'm not sure. I'm not everywhere. You know, he could have saved T.O.'s face a little bit on this one, but he must his ass. <laughs> he must be mad at T.O. for what happened in Dallas. I don't know. But if he is, if he mad at T.O., whoo, I hope no reports ever come out about me about the Cowboys. He's going to mush on me. But it somebody lying. And it's probably T.O. Not necessarily T.O., but his agent. Or just putting it out there, just trying to get the wheels spinning and got caught because he probably assumed that Jerry would lay T.O. down softer than he did. But <laughs> that's embarrassing. Now, nobody wants your old ass. That's what basically Jerry Jones basically said. Nobody wants your old ass. Hey, talking about it was too much money and greed. Nah, it was none of that. I mean, at that age, there is nothing but, I guess, downside being real. Cause it's like public image, reputation. You that's what your franchise is doing. Y'all taking 49 year olds instead of a 21 year old who doesn't know what to do, but you can teach them up and coach them up. I get it. And I wish TO got a chance because it would be good to see it be hell of a theater. But <laughs> damn, it ain't gonna happen in Dallas, at least. Not according to Jerry Jones. Jerry, like, look, bro, <laughs> get it with your muscle, as they used to say. And man, he ain't gonna be able to get it. All right, y'all, let's switch gears right now, change up the tone a little bit. Javante Davis arrested on domestic violence charges. Oh, I hear y'all again. Here y'all go. See, you athletes just always in the trouble. Even though your neighbor, your neighbor is more likely to commit every single crime an athlete is committed, and you're less likely to know about it. <laughs> and you live right next door to that fool. But uh, I digress. But there is something to this story more than just a typical headline. Um, Seems like there's this new trend. UT basketball coach, this one, domestic violence issue, incident. Police called out. They got to arrest somebody. Somebody got to go. All of a sudden, and in these two situations, the woman says, oh, oh, I retract my statement. Uh, actually, quote, Javante did not harm me or our daughter. I made an unnecessary call to law enforcement in an intense moment while I was frantic. Okay, we were just talking about T.O. situation, his agent lying. Well, somebody lying in this one, and it's the same person. Either she's lying or she's telling the truth. <laughs> Is she lying or she's telling the truth? Because why'd you call the police? See, these things, if you read them, you can buy them. If you see them, it's tougher to buy. But if you think them through, it's pretty impossible to buy. Let's talk through this. Y'all ever call the police? 
I don't know if I've ever called the police. I ain't gonna lie. I don't think I've ever called the police. Like 911 emergency. No, I don't think I've ever done that. I'll be real. But that is not an easy thing to do. That's to my point. That's why I'm 48 and I've never done it. And probably many, many people out there haven't done it. And unfortunately, some have. But when you do, that's because all the alarms are ringing. And there's no, you can't cancel that noise out. No noise canceling for that. Like, like this is, this is us primal being, you know, you scared. <laughs> you, you need help. You need government assistance. You need support. You need resources. So for you to call them, Either you vindictive and conniving as hell because you're like, this dude ain't even touching me or our daughter, but I'm going to get him because I know who he is and they know who he is and he got a rep and he got a name and I'm going to get his ass for whatever he did, but it wasn't physical. That's A. That's behind curtain, curtain number one. That's A. Or B, curtain number two, you trying to tell me that he actually did hit you. You called the police and now you don't want to just because of what he's going to lose or what he's already lost, which will affect you guys and your daughter. So you got to pick one. Now, both of them got to lie with him. <laughs> like, no, door number one, door number two, both are for the liar. You either lied on him and called or you called and now you're lying. <laughs> Woo. Ain't that crazy? Trying to trying to fall on the sword for him now. Now you look bad. Well, I guess that's why you fall on the sword. That sounds like it hurts. <laughs> this is gonna hurt, lady. Cause now you're gonna you're gonna split up the people. Some people are gonna believe you and say, Yeah, she just got hit. Some people are gonna believe you, yeah, you got hit, but now you're trying to cover for him. And some people were like, nah, she just lied from the beginning. Damn, that's all bad right there. Allegedly struck her in the head with a closed hand type slap. I'm still trying to close my hand and slap. Ain't that a punch? But I guess a slap, like you ain't trying to get all into it. And boxers are like, don't they have lethal weapons for arms and hands and body parts? Assault with a deadly weapon if you get hit by a boxer? Woo! I went down all the roads for you, lady. I just hope this situation is safe. I hope you guys get to the bottom of this. But right now, what you introduced to the world are three, three different scenarios, and two of them got full lie in it, and the other one still ain't going to save you. Let's talk about somebody who was hired to save something. Ed Reed, coach at Bethune-Cookman, Bethune-Cookman. Yeah, I thought Dion ruined HBCUs and all that. Look at these dominoes starting to fall. Man, that's dope. Um, it's it's a good story. It's a good story. Ed Reed's a great dude. That's the homie. I love Ed Reed, man. Funny dude. DJ, too. <laughs> My man. But, boy, this is going to be hard as hell. <laughs> Woo! This is going to be hard for many reasons. One, you're going to an HBCU and you're Ed Reed. Ah. <sighs> What does that mean? That means you went to a place with lesser resources, be real, and they're going to have higher expectations because not only did Dion succeed, but 
we think of you like Dion and you can stand on the success of Dion and do even more. Huh? <laughs> Ed Reed be lucky to get to where Dion got. You know why? Because it's hard to win. It's hard to be a coach. And it's certainly hard when you go somewhere without NIL money, without proper resources, and you just got a name and you following a name at another school. Man, them expectations going to be silly for this dude. You got to go as simple as staff. That's hard because coaching is not just what you can do or what you know, obviously. It's what you could get them to do and get them to know. <laughs> Woo! I'm a coach. Look, I coach seven-year-olds, so you know, don't, don't pat me on the back too hard. But um, point being, it's hard. It's hard to get them cats all just to get on the same page. I can imagine what that read is going to be up to in terms of this task. It's hard to coach. You got a simple staff. Y'all been two and nine and two and nine. And this is what lets you know this is ghetto. This is bad. This is all bad. Reggie Theus is supposedly the AD and the head basketball coach. <laughs> I'm going to say that again. He the AD and the head basketball coach. What kind of junior high, high school lunch ticket program are they running over there where my AD is coaching me? Like, man, y'all better stop playing with me. Hey, I wish Ed Reed the best. But uh, keep them turntables spinning, man. You might be back to them real fast because coaching there with these expectations and how people responded and reacted to Dion, man, it sounds like it's a setup for failure. Good luck to you, Ed. You know I love you, bro. Now let's talk about Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Let's talk about <laughs> a Crip and a Blood just in one body. Like, what is Golden State going through? And what is Golden State trying to do this year? They have the best home record in the NBA and the worst road record in the NBA? Huh? Make that make sense. Well, let's talk about it. Let's try and make it make sense. Something's different with this team outside of results when they're on the road versus at home. See, everyone wants to start with the record and start with the results. Yes, we start there. We don't finish there. What's different? Let's talk about road life. Let's talk about home life. It's a big difference. That comfort. That comfort, y'all. You know, I got a, I got a pillow. And it's taking me thousands of pillows to get to this pillow. <laughs> and my neck used to be on fire every single time I didn't use that pillow. But then I found that pillow. Oh, once I found that pillow, no fire in my neck. That's just one thing. My neck affected my rest. Waking up, what I get to eat is what I want to eat. Waking up in the comfort of my own home or even in the comfort of the hotel that we are accustomed to staying at all year long. Versus when you hit that road, especially now, wintertime, and this is, you know, all this global warming talk, ain't just talk, something going on. It was hot as hell in LA this year. It's cold as hell in places where it's supposed to be warm or nice. You see snow, randomness. You go to the airport and you're thinking, oh, I'm going to Miami. Miami game. It was cold. <laughs> they had a Miami game cold in December. It's crazy out there, right? So you got to deal with the elements. And I'm not talking about basketball playing. I'm talking about person living. Like you got to bundle up and deal with the elements. And then all of a sudden, oh, you get to a city. Oh, man, we ain't going nowhere. We're just chilling. Oh, that's all normal. But this all adds up. 
You got a different routine. You're dealing with different elements. You let's be real. It affects your mood. You know who likes cold? Like I think they've they've done like tests before, like biometric tests, like how mood is affected by weather. I know when it's sunny outside, everybody's smiling. She finer. <laughs> I'm good. Got the short set on linen. <laughs> you know what I mean? But when it ain't, you, you man, what are we about to do? Go work out. But it, it goes beyond those things. And all those things probably individually are minor, but they add up to become something major. But you know what is major? <sighs> like your role players, their maturity, their professionalism, especially on the road. Because a lot of cats live on the road. What they say, uh, one of my teammates used to say, uh, when when the, the mouse is away, the cats come out to play or something, something like that. I don't know. Because I ain't never do it like that because I wasn't married in the league. You know? I was just like, I'm the cat and the mouse. I'm out. <laughs> I ain't even have to figure out what they were trying to say. But the point is, some cats be living on that road too, way different than they do when they living at the crib and it's a home game. I just thought that was real interesting how you could be that stark in contrast. The same team. The worst when y'all leave and the best when y'all here. Oh, I look at those role players. I look at the meat of the team, not just the highs, the extremes, you know, the Stephs and Clays and Draymond. And George. I'm like, the meat of this team, how y'all living? Got to check that professionalism because if not, it's going to be tough come playoff time. Oh. Let's talk about toughness. Woo, did y'all see that Malice in the Palace 2 Little Caesars Arena fight? Pizza, pizza. They had a fight, fight. Let's talk about this brawl, this fight, or this tap out. I don't know what the hell happened. Uh, the Pistons' Killian Hayes and Orlando's Mo Wagner. <laughs> or, uh, Mo Wagner need to win a damn Oscar. That dude, I think he tapped. Let's talk through it. Y'all remember this? Oh, it was crazy. Like, he... He was running for the ball, and then he knocks the dude out of bounds. And, you know, when Killian gets knocked out of bounds, he ain't happy. So then, like, Mo gets, like, bumped into one of the other players. He's in front of the Pistons bench. He's, like, bumped chest to chest. And immediately he almost, like, gives up. Like, just, just oh, I'm dead. But he was still standing up, but he was, oh, I'm dead, playing possum, right? And then, pop. <laughs> Killian hit him in the head and then he just oh Liza Minnelli just fell oh he just fell down and I was like first I felt bad I was like damn he just knocked him out you know rabbit punch I was like oh about to take all that money back Lee about to find that shit out of you and then like like anything like any train wreck any fight you not only watch it a thousand times you slow-mo it ten times let me see what really happened here. Then I was like, wait a minute. It looked like he was, since he knew he was in the Pistons bench <clears throat> and he had like some post-traumatic stress of like just being in Detroit, <laughs> player, you know, players go there. It, it's certainly on your head that some of that stuff happened before in Madison Palace. Something can go down. And I swear he was like, and I'm in front of the Pistons bench and I'm wrong for pushing him out of bounds and knocking him out to the scores table or whatever. He just gave up and then play like it looked like he gave him that that play that I need sympathy. Like, oh, 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 just to get out of there. So he played possum because he knew he was in the hornet's nest. He was like, yo, 
all these pistons right here, if I act like what, what? If I act like, oh, I ain't do nothing. If I act like anything but, oh, please, mercy, mercy, then they was going to put some hands on me. That was crazy. Because, look, I've been in fights before, training camp fights. I've seen fights before. We all seen them, right? On the sidelines in games and stuff. I remember Pittsburgh had a fight before. I think it was Joey Porter. God, Joey Porter, golly. Woo, that boy was throwing some hands. Um, Athletic fights are funny to me because we're already competing at such a high level, right? And ultimately, no fight you win is going to be greater than winning the game or outperforming your opponent. So it's such a weird thing to ever, like, respond to me even though I know emotions talk and they take over, it's weird. Like it ain't the ultimate win. So why even, why even compete that way? Like if I whoop your ass and you Orlando pace, imagine I, I should pick somebody smaller, huh? <laughs> somebody I, I'm fighting, I'm fighting, I'm fighting. I'm whooping them down, but he on the other team. And then we play against them. We're playing them. He's beating us and he's stopping me, but I beat him in the fight. I wouldn't know where to put that damn fight in terms of a win, in terms of my mentals, in terms of what I just did or achieved. Frankly, I feel like a fool. Like we lost the game. He over here hemming me up and somebody over here trying to give me props because I won. Shut your ass up. <laughs> Care about no fight. <laughs> my Wagner's smart. <laughs> my Wagner said, tap, 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 tap. Get me up out of here before it gets crazy. Speaking of crazy, y'all want to talk about something crazy? Somebody playing football right now and everybody else playing basketball. <laughs> Zion Williamson. Yep, that's what they saying now. That's what the rep is. He playing football. Everybody else playing basketball. He's too physical, y'all. Oh, he's so physical. And I love it because this is, this is going to take us into a great conversation about zigging when everyone else is zagging, right? Like everybody was looking at Zion, obviously, how fragile he may be in terms of his health. Uh, then they were trying to kill him in terms of his size and how big he is and how much he eats. <laughs> Just like a lot of things surrounding him outside the game. But on the court, ain't nothing to say. Dude's a monster. He's a beast. And here's the crazy thing is he playing football for real. Good for him, too. Because it's crazy to watch him go out there and that level of physicality is so intimidating that it just opens up lanes for him. It just opens up shots for him, opens up the court for him, gives him space, et cetera. You don't know how to play him. And when you play him, you don't want to deal with that hell. You don't want to deal with that hell that's coming from Zion. Mm, mm, mm. Damn, it's crazy. Zion is zigging when they're zagging. Just like a lot of y'all basketball players come to football and zig when we're zagging. That's right. I flipped it on you. Yeah. Antonio Gates, Tony Gonzalez, Julius Peppers. I even know a dude, Eric Swoop. Y'all know who he is? He ain't even played football, they said, ever. Went to Harvard-Westlake. Never played football until he got to the pros. Huh? Played basketball, 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 then went to the pros. But, dog, a, a, a basketball player, a failed basketball player, has a chance still to play football. And they zig when we zag. We big, brute, strong, powerful, quick, whatever you want to call us. But we ain't dealing with that level of athleticism. Not in a phone booth like basketball players. It's a whole different dynamic. So when they come to football, just like it looked like Zion going to basketball, basically as a football player the way he built. Man, 
you can really disrupt the flow. You can disrupt what people do. And they're not used to it. You know, put your hand on Zion. Try to box Zion out. Try and get in his way take a charge. Like, stop playing. But also, hey, try and stay in front of Antonio Gates and you're a linebacker. Um, make sure that your strong linebacker is going to guard Gonzalez because he's on the strong. Man, stop. It ain't happening. We ain't staying in front of you just like no one is staying in front of Zion. It's wild, man. I wish I had that type of body. I wish I had that type of athleticism that was like cross sport because all I could do was run straight and run fast and be fearless. <laughs> so that became a DN, right? But I didn't have that like that lateral quickness, side to side movement, et cetera, that really would have play, paid off in terms of switching sports. Uh, so that's why so many football players are good basketball players. And Hall of Famers, dudes who couldn't even make it in basketball, come to football and become Hall of Famers. I named three Hall of Famers. Come on, man. So, Zion, keep playing bully ball, man. Trust me. Ain't nobody on that block going to beat up the bully. Let's talk about something that is interesting in woofing and beating up the bully and block talk. Dylan Brooks, he said something real interesting. Dylan Brooks said... The Grizzlies, his team frees up. They freeze up when teams return their smack talk. Ah, let's talk some smack talk. I wonder why they freeze up. So they wolf. Basically, the Grizzlies wolf. And if you wolf back, (laughs) man, I don't think it's that bad. But that was interesting to say. It's an age-old question about trash talk and wolfing. Is it from a place of strength or weakness? Like, are you really woofing because you strong like that? Or are you woofing because you kind of scared and you need me to get off my game so that you got a chance? Uh-oh. Now, on the extremes, obviously, there's some dudes who are beasts that would just trash talk. John Randall, Deion Sanders. So I don't think that's coming from a place of weakness. But there's also some guys who would just try to get you off your game just to see if it worked. And if it worked, easier pickings for them. But if it didn't work, what's the response? See, we look at trash talk and we only attach it to those who are good. Jordan, uh, you know, Dion and that, you know. But a lot of guys talk. (laughs) And a lot of guys are not good. So trash talk in aggregate probably is worse than it is good. You know, probably worse for you than it is good for you. Because when you talk trash and get blown up, get burnt, get dumped on, you're going to keep talking? Some will, some won't. And if you stop talking, got them. If you're still talking, what? What's wrong with this fool? But the point is, where is it starting? Why are you even trash talking? Why you just can't have fun talk or just be quiet or just... Just play normal. Like, I just wonder, what do y'all think? Like, is trash talk really in in its entirety? Like, all those who like to trash talk, your boys that go to the Y, you who goes to the Y. Like, I didn't trash talk because, frankly, I like to have jokes. Like, I like to clown. I'm like, oh, I think it's worse to beat somebody giggling than to beat them frowning. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not mad at you and I beat you because then you're going to be like, man, beautiful. But if I'm giggling and I'm like loving it and I'm like, oh, man, you cool. Whoop your ass. Oh, man, you all right with me. Whoop your ass. 
I think that's a worse feeling. So I think trash talkers got it wrong. Like all that. Stop being so damn mad and trying to lie. Anybody, first of all, who's scared of you? Especially in basketball. I mean, you could take me out the air if I'm trying to dunk, but ain't that the sport where if you hit me, Okay, sir, come here in your tank top and shorts. Stand at this line behind it, okay? And um, everybody look at him. Oh, look at him. He's so tall and skinny. Shoot. Oh. Um, stay here. Stay here. You got one more shot. Shoot. Oh. Y'all get free throws. Ain't nobody scared of getting hit in basketball. They get free throws. You know what happens in football when you get hit? Next play, fool. <laughs> it's a whole different animal. So I'm watching you trash talkers to see if y'all really strong as y'all wolf. Or y'all scurred. Here's something that's interesting. Let's talk about this. <clears throat> a little bit of the culture, right? Uh, I saw an article about a black police officer that said he had to choose between his badge and his community. Oh, my God. So many black police officers we know have that as a job and occupation. So many, right? I don't know the numbers, but it's a lot. Every time I go out, I see black cops, like KRS one, black cops, black cop, black cops. I mean, it's weird. Here's the dynamic I want to talk about because I don't want to get lazy. You know they're black police officers, right? So does that make them less black because they're a police officer? Obviously not. And if you say yeah, then you got a problem. Okay, we do this a lot in this society today. Somebody's black, but they like Kanye still. Oh, you start questioning them, right? Somebody's black, but he voted for Trump. Oh, <laughs> somebody's black, but uh, he liked Candace Owens' post. Uh. <laughs> somebody's black, and he's on Prager U. Uh. <laughs> somebody's black, and he was just watching Fox News. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, the only box you should be in is no box. These labels, this tribalism is silly. Putting that pressure on a police officer who is doing amazing work and making it political and making it racial when he's putting his life on the line. And like any industry with human beings involved, it's not perfect. And I get it. But in, in this large entirety, you got to respect what cops have done and will do for you. Or why are you calling 911? <laughs> Call 911 and then also, man. Forget the police. Fuck police. Just throw your phone away then if you're going to call 911 and say that. Silliness. But I just noticed that. I just noticed that people are grouping people based on what they like and what they're into, not who they are. If he's black, he's black no matter what he's into, right? No matter what he does, he's black. And it's crazy because the grouping that people are guilty of, black police officer, is the same grouping that fuels the discrimination they're fighting against. Y'all catch that? Over here fighting against being grouped and then going to group somebody else is what I said. Fighting against getting grouped and going to group somebody else is what I said. Got to stop that, y'all. Come on, man. I just went to the fire station. Three great firemen gave my family and I tours. And this is a bucket list item for me, y'all. Just going to the fire station. I always wanted to see the jaws of life. I've always wanted to see how long that white ladder really was. <laughs> I, I wanted to turn the hoses on, but I was like, nah, California got a drought. But the point being, man, I got respect for service workers, man. Y'all better put some respect on it. And I know most of you do. But the ones who don't, nudge them, y'all. 
and show them the way. Show them how, how it really goes, how those people really sacrifice on the daily. Most of those calls, man, thankless and just saving people's lives. Nothing involves except trying to help us. Give them love. Give them a ton of love. Speaking of some police officers, service workers, y'all heard this Cameron Batson story? Yeah, here's the headline. Let me just let y'all know how crazy this is. Accused of fighting a cop at a traffic stop. Mm. Swerving out of his lane, intoxicated, drunk, hammered, fought the cop when got pulled over. The police fired a shot. I don't know where and at who, but didn't hit him. He gets back in his truck. He crashes his truck. Cameron Batson then tries to hide and got arrested. <laughs> Y'all like, who in the hell is this dude? Oh, he's just a wide receiver for the Atlanta Falcons, right? Cameron Batson. Well, practice squad. So let's just say that's a wrap. You tomorrow, no job security, practice squad. And you do this? How can you even, like, how can you explain this to an organization? Yeah. Were you drinking? Yes, sir. Uh, were you swerving in and out of your lane? Well, I don't know. I was drunk. Oh, okay. <laughs> this is all bad. Um, did you get pulled over? Yes, sir. Did you fight the cop that pulled you over? I don't know. I was drunk, but I think I did. Oh, my God. Did you hear a gunshot? Oh, that's what that was? Man, look. <sighs> Did you get back in your truck and, and try to drive off? Huh? That's, that's, oh, that's how it, that tree hit me. <laughs> the tree hit him. <laughs> oh, the, and you crashed into a tree and tried to hide. Woo. Now, this is one thing that is interesting because of all the outcry and police brutality. Um, this is a, a net positive in this respect. Um, and we talked last time about the Peace Act that potentially will get passed in legislation. They got cops on their toes now. Like reading this story, I could have read it a different way if if it wasn't so much public pressure on police to make sure that they don't use lethal force unless necessary, right? Because that was starting to be a blurred line. Oh, I fear for my life. Well, why'd you fear for your life? Oh, I never had to answer that question. But now we're going to ask that question. Therefore, you better really fear for your life. So if you can just let off a shot or if you can peacefully or even if it's through force, but not lethal force, bring someone into custody, you got to do it. This sounds like that, right? Cameron Bassett, you lucky as hell, bro. Because, man, you fought a cop? He shot at you? Probably on purpose and trying to miss you just to scare you. You drove away, crashed, and then tried to hide. Man, woo. I don't even want to say what I'm thinking. But if I were a cop, I'm getting home. I'm getting home, y'all. I'm going to Anna Marie and MJ and them. I'm coming home. So y'all out there, y'all suspects and y'all assailants, y'all better watch your head. Like, be smart. Be smart. I'm going to respect the law and I'm going to live by the law, but I'm coming home too. So don't make me have to choose because you ain't going to win. Goodness, that's crazy. Speaking of somebody who wants to win and wants to win at all costs, my man Sabonis out there playing with a fractured thumb on his non-shooting hand. Woo, this is a muscular move because he's balling this year. 26 years young, making uh, great money, but NBA levels, not so much. He he middle class, 18 million, golly, and 19 million. Sabonis like, shoot, that's below market value. 
And now he has a fractured thumb. Why do I want to talk about this story? Because he knows his timing. Kind of like Lane Johnson, but this is a different way of looking at it. He knows he has to strike while the iron's hot. Right now, pivotal time for him professionally and important for him because of his individual success and the team's success that he goes out there and Sacramento finally makes the playoffs and he's the reason he gets paid. La, 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 right? One of those. <clears throat> Man, it's been, what, 16 years since they've been in the playoffs? Let's talk about the pressure you're under when you're hurt trying to get paid and also knowing you can't tap out. My last year in Buffalo, I had a back surgery. Yep, they just cut Bruce Smith. They cut Bruce Smith because your boy. Wow. And then I'm in training camp. No, 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 I'm not. I'm in OTAs as one of those sessions, running wind sprints. Huh, huh, huh? <clears throat> Turned around. I looked down. I saw my shoes were untied. I'm running with the linebackers and the safeties, too. I'm running. I'm ready. I said, tie your shoe. And I literally had a message from my brain go to my body, and my body said, abort. <laughs> Reject it. And I was like, no, no, no. Do it. Do it. And I couldn't tie my shoes. Unreal, right? Next thing I know, they said, you need back surgery. I was like, shh. I got to get paid, young homie, get paid. I gotta, this is my contract year. Bruce Smith gone. Y'all talking about I can't walk. I got to get paid. And I went through that process. Rehab, obviously, six weeks. Rushed through my rehab. Maybe I should say hurry, not rush, because we didn't skip any steps. But, boy, I didn't have a choice. I had the ball. I had to play. And I sucked. First nine games, <laughs> one set. Oh, not like Sabonis necessarily because he's balling, but he got that injury. And I had that injury I was getting away from. I was like, all right, I'm going to get stronger. It's going to happen. And then, bow, kicked in. Balled out, had it. That pressure, because you know what the pressure is? He's 26. At that time, I was 25. Your whole life. Running heels, wind sprints, conditioning, lifting weights, eating right, not going to parties. Tapping out early, getting proper rest. You're doing that to get the result, right? You're doing it to get the, the dividends, right? You want it to pay off. Well, this is the time you can get paid. You miss this window, you start getting caught up in that that that, that current of uh he aight. And once they deem you and label you aight, not great, you'll never get great opportunities or great money. So I feel that pressure he's under right now. And I'm glad he's still out there performing, even under that pressure. And I know it hurts, but, bruh, it'll hurt worse if you don't go out there and ball and get that dough. Speaking of performing, let's talk about my man Bunk. Y'all see that? Wendell Pierce, <laughs> death of a salesman on Broadway, and somebody was in the crowd acting a donkey. People are stupid. Ooh, I'll be mad. Y'all ever been somewhere and somebody is heckling? That is the most uncomfortable feeling in the world. Because you. this is me. My first thought is, I'm about to grab this fool and choke him out. Then I'm like, nah, because he may know some of that MMA. I check the ears. And I'm like, nah, he don't know nothing. But still, he might know something I don't. Plus, I don't fight. So I'm already stuck. Then I'm like, all right, this is embarrassing. Then I'm like, not only is it embarrassing, it's annoying. Shut the shit. Like, who are you? Like, 
dog, you, now you're starting to rob my pockets. You in my pockets. I paid for these seats, seats 415, partner, and you over here woofing, and now I can't even watch the show. Then it becomes disruptive. Everybody looking. They looking at you. They looking at him. They looking at her. You're like, man, what the hell? <sighs> and then they still up on stage trying to perform. <laughs> trying to perform. You know how much fear you got trying to flow the normal way, even though you're like, this fool right here may be crazy. And they all not crazy, but they just acting out, acting donkey for what? Makes no sense. Makes no sense. I, I was there when Chappelle got rushed at the stage. Um, yep, Hollywood Bowl. It was over. And actually, uh, Black Star was about to come out and perform, and nobody, like, everybody was walking towards the exits. And he announced it, and it was kind of like, oh, I guess we should watch. But not everybody was paying attention to the stage. And I saw that dude in that crowd jump up on that stage and tackle, well, yeah. <laughs> he tried to tackle Dave Chappelle, but kind of missed. Like, you got one shot, fool. Goal line. Goal line package. <laughs> like, make the play. <laughs> he missed. I'm glad he missed. And the boy, Chappelle's bodyguards there got caught slipping on the snooze button the first time. Oh, they looped back around and got him. Well, they dislocated his, his torso or something. <laughs> Whooped that dude ass. Oh, man, I was watching it bird's eye, too, the whole time. Like, damn. Crazy. Also was at the Janet. Remember when Janet uh, let the the milk out? She was um she <laughs> stupid. Um, she was showing you the best tatas. She was showing them. I was so mad. I was there. I went to that Super Bowl. I think it was Carolina was playing. I don't know who they were playing. I was mad. One, I think it was in Miami, was it? And I left the house party. The house party was cracking. But I thought I was going to win and go to Super Bowl. Yeah, I'm going to Super Bowl. You got to check the box to go to Super Bowl. It's a bucket list for everybody, right? But after you do it, don't keep going. Don't keep going. It's a waste. Stay at a house party and get it in. So anyway, I left that bomb-ass house party to go to the Super Bowl. And this was the worst part about it. The worst part was I just felt and heard everybody in the crowd start screaming and acting weird. Like, what happened? What happened? You know, Timberlake performing with her. And I thought it was a streaker. Yeah, I guess it was kind of just a, just a top part streaking. <laughs> and it was Janet. And they were like, Janet showed her tatas. I was like, really? She showed the titties? And they were like, yeah. And I was like, how you know? I couldn't see. Like, you know, when they're performing on the field, eh, like the, what she did, I couldn't see it. And they weren't going to replay it. I'm looking at the Jumbotron like, y'all going to show her tata or what? Akuna Matatas. <laughs> Can y'all please show it? They're like, nope, no replay. And then next thing you know, my boy's telling me and hitting me why they at that damn bomb-ass pool party watching the damn Super Bowl. And I'm sitting here like, I not only left the party, got Super Bowl around all these corporate people, Budweiser execs, boring game, and then I don't even get to see it with replay? <laughs> I was hot 100. Well, that's all right. Got to the crib. Saw him. Saw him. Saw it. Saw him. <laughs> but my point is, man, if y'all go to any public event, go to the event to watch them, not to be a fool. I am getting sick and tired. Now, I'm not a fighter, but I'm about to grab somebody because I go to these Charger games all the time, and they starting to circle in and close in in terms of how stupid y'all trying to act. 
But I've never been in one football game in my life that they didn't fight. Every single football game in the world, they fight. So I get it. But the point being, y'all need to calm y'all asses down, let the performers perform, and let the players play. Let's do that. Speaking of a player who doesn't want to play anymore, ha, 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 Clinton Dix. I'm stupid. Ha, ha, Clinton Dix, retiring at 30 years young. Let me tell you, well, young man, what you got to look forward to? Uh, he signed with the Packers one-day deal. Why ain't none of my team let me retire and sign a one-day deal? They're like, maybe one day. <laughs> but nah, B, you were not that special around here. That's cold. Anyway, what does he have to look forward to? I don't know. It's going to look different than J.J. Watt's retirement, I'll tell you that, and Tom Brady's. But, yo, he's going to have opportunities, I'm sure. Here's the thing I want him to know that I did that he shouldn't do. <sighs> have a plan and stick to the plan no matter how how tedious, how frustrating it may be. Now, I didn't even have a plan, so I, I didn't really get frustrated. I was like, I'm chilling. I retired. I was like, I'm kicking it. That's not a plan. <laughs> and I I fully advise him and anybody else not to do that. I was making up errands every single day to run just because I was that bored. You got to remember, I'm 31 and I'm retired. I'm in a Rolls Royce riding around L.A. And all my boys are working. Nine to five. And then after nine to five, some of them are tired. Or if they're not tired, they ain't trying to do what I'm trying to do all the time. They're like, dog, you ain't got to wake up. <laughs> it was stupid. You're going to go to so many house parties. You're going to throw so many house parties. You're going to hang with so many of them. Hey, girls. And then after a while, you'd be like, yo, I need a plan. Well, I hope he has a plan. I think he does have a plan because he certainly was good when he played. But now at that age, 30? Damn, all this money they're giving out? They're giving out. I would still be playing. But if you're not playing, bruh, stick to the plan. But first, have one. Let's talk about somebody who had a plan and executed their plan beautifully. It was a Christmas gift given by Joe Burrow to his offensive line. Gave him cruise tickets. <laughs> Let me tell y'all some crazy cruise stories. Oh, man. And some gifting stories. I, was, I wasn't a cheapskate. I just didn't get anybody great gifts why i saved the great gifts for my family for my friends for girls i were date i was dating at the time like you know what i mean but my teammates i was like they can do whatever they want to do and they can buy it and they can buy more than me most of them some of them so i ain't about to buy them nothing like that <laughs> i had a cap i had a gift cap damn right gift cap but um I don't even remember any great gifts, so I guess it was universal. <laughs> I guess everybody applied that 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 same knowledge, that same belief, because nobody got me nothing bomb except Jerry Jones, that pen. So here we go. Let's talk about a cruise, though. I was on a team cruise once, Buffalo Bills. Eric Smedley, who used to play for us, and him and I. My mom, I took my mom. It was fun. Joe Burrow said he doesn't cru he doesn't do cruises. He's like, nah, I'm good, bro. I don't want to be stuck out there in the water. So I get it. But here's the thing. We went on a cruise and we docked at some place. It was one of those Virgin Island cruises. So Saint this, Saint that, Saint this, Saint Bart's, Thomas. I don't know. All of them. We sainted out. Man, we went to one of them saints. Was it there? Um, yeah, I think it was there. Barbados, one of those places. And rented scooters for the day. 
And we were seeing what we wanted to see. The island and them ladies. We were kicking. Then all of a sudden, we lost track of time. You know, you're over there clowning around, and you had some little hut spot on the corner. <laughs> Everybody driving different direction, wrong way. You're like, oh, man, you're losing, you're losing your sense of awareness. Oh, I'm loving life. Well, I could live here. Every time you go on a fresh vacation, don't you always lie to yourself and say you can live there? I did it too. And I'm doing that. And all of a sudden, I'm looking. I'm like, hmm. Yo, Smelly, we got to get out of here. And we got to return these scooters and get back to the boat. Four o'clock, I guess it was like takeoff. Then as we start to go to the scooters, you can hear it. Because, you know, small island. I'm like, yo, they will leave you on these cruises. They don't play that. They ain't holding up that whole boat, thousands of people for one dude, two dudes. So I'm like, oh, no. So I bone out on the scooter. He bone out on the scooter. I told y'all we in a different country. So we go in a different direction. I don't like to say wrong direction because that means our way is right. But point being, we're going the wrong way. <laughs> we're going the wrong direction. We're turning. We make it turns to the left with our right hand and right, right turns. I'm like, ah, I'm just all discombobulated, right? And we're racing to get the scooters back. And all of a sudden, all I felt was, ding, ding. damn it. And see, when you play football, you know how to fall. When you play football, you've fallen enough where you actually have thoughts during the fall. Here are my thoughts. Ding, ding. Damn it, smelly. This food unhit me. Now I'm in the air. And now, now I'm scoping. Where am I going to land? And I'm hoping I got a good option. And I saw a center divider. And I was like, oh, hell no. That thing was all curved wrong. I was like, oh, no, I ain't landing in that. I landed in that. It's wrapped. Then I saw the ground on the road next to it. And I was like, I ain't going to make it to the grass. Damn it. I was like, all right. Hit the ground and immediately roll. So, like, start rolling when you about to hit the ground. And let's hope. And that's what happened. <laughs> Ah, blood everywhere. Blood everywhere. Then I look. Where's my teammate? Where's Smelly? And Smelly had on no shirt in the backpack, let y'all know what we were into. Kicking it. We were out there meeting Barbadians. What are you calling Barbadians? <laughs> and all of a sudden, that backpack he had on, all he had were like the straps and like threads. He had slid on his back. So far, so fast, so hard that the ground chewed up his backpack and his back. He got up. All you saw was threads like David Banner, Incredible Hulk, and just oh, blood and just white meat. Just, I don't know. It was like, oh, like Tales from the Crypt looking stuff. Like, oh, I see your skeleton. And we had to still... Get back to that boat. So then we're we're pushing the scooters to the scooter place, which was thankfully right there. We push them in. The guy's freaking out. Uh, we're like, oh, man, we out the country. This dude, man, he's going to go grab a strap or something, machete, something. We done. And then I'm like, give them all. Give them all. I think we gave them 1000 each. I don't know how much some scooters cost, but we pay for the scooters. <laughs> thousand each. Here, forget a $100 rental or $30 rental, whatever the hell thousand dollars we just threw the money and start running and we couldn't run because we were hurting we were bleeding hurting people looking at us we don't look like them we are trying to go to a boat this is all bad of course we make it because i'm doing this podcast right now 
<laughs> but we make it. But when we get on that boat, oh, they are freaking out. Captain, everybody like, what the hell? I was like, what is going on? Woo, all bad, all bad. So next thing I know, I'm like, we have to go to the nurse, the hospital on on the boat, one of them decks. And immediately they checking us out. You know, they give us all our bandages and gauzes and all that. Get Put the medicine on us. And he said, okay, next time we stop, jump in the water. What? He said, jump in the water. That's all you got to do. And all the ladies and all the nurses and the doctors were laughing. I was like, why are y'all laughing? They're like, they're like, ooh, it's going to hurt. <laughs> I was like, but it's going to help. They say, ooh, it's going to hurt, but it's going to help. I was like, what? So then we get there. And, of course, next day, I don't know where we went, another saint. Now ain't no scooter rentals. We ain't trying to holler at nothing. We ain't trying to get no girls now. It's just rap. We just hurt. We just in mass unit. And then we go out. Put your toe in the water. Oh, you forgot your toe got scraped up. That's how it sounded. I put my toe in the water. I was like, what the? Crying. But, you know, I'm on the football crew, so I ain't crying out loud. Oh, finally took the plunge. I just jumped in. And it was mostly my shoulder jacked up. Jumped in. Underwater bubbles like gremlins, like gizmo, like, you know, going from magua to gremlin. Ah, screaming underwater. Then, actually, it felt all right. Like, you get used to, like anything. But not Smedley. Smedley, because he didn't have no back. He had to put his whole back in there. All I'm going to let y'all know is a man should never hit that octave. Never hit that octave. Oh, I want to talk about and show some respect to my man Shaq, man. Lost 40 pounds, wants to lose 20 more. Oh, man, I want to tell everybody, man, if you ever had to deal with weight issues, I feel for you because I feel for me. (laughs) You know, I'm a big dude. I was 282 when I was drafted, 282 pounds. I played much lighter than that, but I was 282. And it was fake weight, some of it, which is meat, potatoes. I used to eat a ton of raw potatoes and drink gallons of water. I did that before my pro day. Because I was 271 at the combine, and then I was 282 at my pro day. They're like, damn, how'd you gain 11 pounds and get faster and stronger and bench press 35 and more and jump higher? And I was like, fake weight. (laughs) All you got to do is eat raw potatoes and water. Drink some water. Boom. So anyway, Shaq losing weight. I love that. But I've been on that roller coaster before, too. Because I got up to 311 one time, my second year off season. Yep. Lost it all, of course, but I was up to 311, just let myself go. Everybody said, you know, take a month off. I was like, oh, okay. I took that literally. I was like, oh, okay. I'll take a month off. Shouldn't have took a month off. Mm-mm. Bruh, I was hurt. Fat as hell. Still getting the ladies, though, because I was, you know, I was in the league. But here we go. I was eating Popeyes like three, four times a week after the club. So, you know, that's that bad that bad digestion, that sit on you fat. I was like, oh my God, the worst. And then, oof, oof, I got 311 again when I met my wife. That lets you know she loved me or I had money. (laughs) 
I'm stupid. Nah, seriously. Um, because guess what happened? She met me. I was 311 at my boy's party. And I used to ride this bike. That's what let me know I need to lose weight. Because I was cycling, I called it. But I was really just riding the bike. You know it's bad when you ain't cycling. You just ride the bike. And she like, what's your workouts? She said it in that tone too. Like, what's your workouts? What are you doing? I was like, what do you mean? I ride my bike. Man Beach. Ride it all the way through. What? You do something like that. Tour de France, baby. And she was like, mm, yeah, you need to go to my spin class. And I took a spin class and lost like 50 pounds that day. <laughs> Seriously, but that bike wasn't helping me, man. Nah, man. But Shaq, hey, keep it going, bro. I, I, the most weight I ever seen on somebody, Shaq a big dude. He's gigantic, but he ain't the biggest dude I ever saw. My boy Jamie Nails was 419 pounds. And I remember looking at the scale when he was that. I saw in our locker room, he had to weigh himself because he was big. You know, you go in that program, they they weigh you every day. I'm like, damn, Nails, 419? But he lost about 100 or so because what happened? He went to Miami, played for the Dolphins. And I remember seeing, I was like, damn, Nails, you lost a gang of weight. Had to, homie, I had to. What's up, Wild Style? I was like, oh, I'm good. And I had to go against him now because he ain't my teammate. So we in camp. Bills versus Dolphins. We ain't teammates. Or was I with the Chargers? I think it was maybe the Chargers. And I'm like, damn, we ain't teammates now. Let's go. And I ain't want no parts of Nails because Nails could hit. But I was like, oh, if he he big, but now he little. He might be quicker, but then he ain't going to be lighter. So when he was big, he was too heavy. Now he quicker, but he might be lighter. And I'm like, ah, let's figure this out. So I line up against his butt. Guess what I do? I didn't do anything. Nails passed out. <laughs> I remember that. In camp, he must have just tried to lose so much weight for camp. Miami Heat. I was ready to go line up. I could put my hand in the dirt ready. Nails is wobble, 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 wobble. I was like, damn, Nails. Lose some weight, but don't lose it all. Because, man, we need you, brother. Uh, sad story here. I just want to say rest in peace and respect to Pele. Died at 82 years old. Um, what I want to say about this is how significant he was and the difference between him and his country and like our stars, our superstars, our Michael Jordan of our country. Like out here, it seems like we are on the path to being a baller, rich and famous and have an influence. Let's add all that together. Right. But I don't know how many national heroes we have. Like, is, is Michael Jordan a national hero? I went to Trinidad and met Brian Lara, who uh, is a tremendous, was a tremendous cricket player, one of the best ever. He was a national hero, and I'll tell you that story another time. But I, I've been to Brazil before. Y'all know me. Yep, I went. Yep, everything you heard. Yep, yep, that too. Mm -hmm. Brazil. I'll tell you my Brazil stories later. But this one... All I remember is the love and like uncompromised, unchallenged national hero love and status Pele had. I just wish America had a little more of that because our guys blow up. Our guys do amazing. But then we turn on them. We turn on them hella fast. Rest in peace, Pele. Okay, it's time for Tiki time. <laughs> Stop. Tiki time. All right. What makes you feel inspired or motivated? Hmm. That's a good one. <sighs> people. I get my greatest joy talking to people and listening to people. 
no matter what they're going through, what circumstances, forks in the road, ups, downs, I just love people. Like I'm really a people person. Now, don't get it twisted. I get annoyed with people. I get annoyed with things people say, things people do. <laughs> but where do I get my inspiration? From people. And I get my greatest inspiration from looking at my kids right now, cliche but real, because they deserve better. They didn't ask to come here. Since they're here, they're my responsibility to try my best to give them the proper hardware, a strong, robust hardware that they can just have to apply software from anywhere in this world. You know what that means? That means no matter what comes at them, give them a circumstance, give them a situation because of the way they were raised, their hardware, they're able to handle it. Mm. That's what inspires me. People, y'all, listeners, I get inspired by y'all. And the closer I get to you, the greater I feel that inspiration. All right, it's time for hashtag Ask That Dude, A-S-K-D-A-T-D-U-D-E on Twitter. And I just was going through these, and there are a lot of them. And then I saw somewhere years ago, and I was like, how is there some Ask That Dudes years ago? Turns out, BP. That dude, BP, baseball player, my dog, was doing this a long time ago. I'm a biter. I had no idea. So Brandon Phillips, right? I didn't know I was biting it. Now, he did ask me, could he use the the nickname, that dude? And I said, yeah, I don't own it. And I don't want to own it. I ain't built like that. Like, you know, you you could be turbo. I could be turbo. Everybody is 19,000 Supermans. So, uh, I remember Brandon Phillips asked me, can he be that dude? And I love that. Like, that made me feel good because he didn't even have to ask. Like, literally didn't have to ask, but he did. But here's the hashtag ask that dude. Sorry, I'm biting your style like you've been my nickname, no, Brandon. <laughs> hashtag ask that dude. Who was the offensive lineman that used to concern you the most when you had to go against him and why? This is from Jason Philon at Jason Philon one on Twitter. Let me tell you. It ain't going to be who you think. It ain't going to be Orlando Pace. Nope. Not Walter Jones. Nope. Not Jonathan Ogden. Nope. It was Lincoln Kennedy. Woo! <sighs> he had them paws, y'all. <laughs> I love it when they put the big pop up. <laughs> he had paws. And he put them paws on you. It was a problem. A problem. Every time it was a problem. Oh, every game I played against him. You know, you always hear that cliche like Steelers, Ravens game. Oh, it's more physical this week. Nah, playing Lincoln Kennedy was more physical. Even when I would get a sack on him or get a good play or a good rush on him, I felt it. I was affected. Like, damn. And his arms look like thighs. His biceps and thighs. He had two ham hock thighs on him. And he used to just be sitting there bunched up all in his uniform. And nice as can be. But boy, gigantic. And he'd be like, well, Wiley, ready for it? He's like, cool. Like me and him, we had to play each other twice a year. So we just got cool. And I was like, yeah, man, Like you know my plays. You know what I like to do. I like to try to run around you. And if I can't, just don't pancake me. <laughs> but nah, he doesn't get enough respect, enough love. Lincoln Kennedy, dog, beast, put them paws on you. Time for Wileyism. Let's get up out of here. Here's the Wileyism for today. This episode's Wileyism is luck is skill showing up without an appointment. 
<laughs> Luck is skill showing up without an appointment. Mm, I love that one. Because that means basically you got to be prepared. You got to be skilled. You got to be ready. Stop thinking it's just luck. It's just, oh, it just drifted down and just landed on you. Nah, it doesn't work that way. doesn't work that way. I mean, yeah, you can roll the dice and hope. But if you really want to buy your luck, well, then be skilled. <laughs> luck is skill showing up without an appointment. You know, you watch games. We watched it. Georgia, they didn't get lucky. Georgia was the champions last year. They had skill. They played a suspect game, but it wasn't luck at the end, or was it? Hmm. They won that game, right? Y'all like, oh, it was lucky to do Mr. Kick. Yeah, but it's not a guarantee to make the kick, right? Think about what luck is, right? Luck is putting yourself in that position, that position where you better make that kick or else, young man, we win. Why? Because we're skilled, because we didn't give up, because we persevered. Uh, I need people to look at luck a little differently. Put a little more skill into the equation, not just chance. Love it. You guys have been amazing today. I need more reviews from y'all. Y'all know me. All I need from y'all are more reviews. Okay, so that's the way we're going to get out of here today. More reviews, more reviews, more, more, more reviews. Nah, I'm over here just kind of with y'all. I appreciate you guys. All the love. All the support, the reviews help, but hey, even the tweets, everything, just spread the word. You like what you're hearing? You want to hear more? I got you guys. That's going to do it for more to it. Check the show notes for all the information on our topics today. Today! You want to keep the conversation going? Let's talk. Y'all find me on all socials at Marcellus Wiley. More to it is a production of Dan Patrick Productions, That Dude Entertainment, and Workhouse Media. Show is executive produced by Dan Patrick, Marcel Swally. That's me, y'all. Paul Anderson and Nick Pinella. I'm Marcel Swally. Thanks for listening. And thanks for the reviews, the few you've left. <laughs> Keep them coming for real. There's more coming for more to it. Talk to y'all next week, baby. The world is full of magic and wonder, if you know where to look. And I'm obsessed with looking for it. I'm Simon Sinek, and I host a podcast called A Bit of Optimism. Each week, I have a short conversation with someone who inspires me or teaches me something about life, leadership, and other curious things. I hope you'll join me on the journey. Listen to A Bit of Optimism on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Julian Edelman from Games with Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time with the players and coaches who lived in them. Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Or what about the, the after parties? We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All that sitting and swiping, our backs hurt, our eyeballs sting. That's our bodies adapting to our technology. But we can do something about it. We saw amazing effects. I really felt like the cloud in my brain kind of dissipated. There's no turning back from me. 
Make 2024 the year you put your health before your inbox. And take the Body Electric Challenge. Listen to Body Electric from NPR on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.